Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christofferson. I'm joined by Michael Brunt. Uh, backwards cap. Ace cap, I assume, even though uh, Major League Baseball uh, is nowhere near around the corner. Yeah, I'm, I'm mourning uh, the pitchers and catchers not reporting. They are, they're at home and not reporting, and I'm sad for that. So this is all the... All the baseball we get is uh, Nebraska baseball, I guess, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later on. But, yeah, well, no baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing, though, that Major League Baseball has established such goodwill with the fan base in recent <laughs> years and just has, like, such a passionate following right now uh, that they, they can withstand something like this, like not playing for half a season or whatever. So that's yeah. all right. They're just a pilot that's just – flying along, you know, and then they're just like, we're going to just pull this yoke right into a mountain, just crash the whole thing. Like that's, yeah. that's basically ownership and uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred. Well, we won't uh, bore anymore with that. We will excite with Husker baseball later, as Brunson, as Brunts mentioned, there's a lot of reasons to be pumped up about that. Um, and uh, Brunts knows, knows that roster inside and out, and we're going to quiz him on it. But first uh, we're going to talk, We'll talk some football. Uh, spring ball is less than two weeks away, believe it or not. Yeah, um, that's crazy. I mean, I guess the weather of late kind of kind of fits into it, but I have a feeling, but like, there's going to be a time in March when it's going to be like six degrees over there. Don't you? Don't you, can't you anticipate that? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's the kind of weather where you start. It, it's time to start searching the roster for a fourth string walk on that's going to become the story of the spring, the bell of the spring. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be spring Cinderella? Well, I've kind of been doing that a little bit. <laughs> I've, uh, it's part we'll of the job. In. You got to you got to find you got to find who that Austin Rose or that that Stu Bradley is going to be. Who's the story yeah. of the spring? Brody Bell. Uh, Brody Bell has been a story of the spring before, and then uh, occasionally he pops up against Wisconsin and rips <laughs> off like a fifteen yard play. So yeah, he just makes a big play in the second half against Wisconsin. You never know. Um, speaking of that, that's a good segue. Brody Bell is good friends with, uh, Adrian Martinez. You may or may not roommates. know. I think you do. Yeah. They're R- roommates. roommates. Uh, they were roommates old at roommates. least. Yeah. Old roommates. <laughs> um, Adrian, um, kind of made some news around here. Uh, he had a pot, he did his podcast and sort of tied up like how his last season went at, uh, Nebraska and also his decision to transfer, Um, I listened to the whole thing and I know there were some headlines that were out there, uh, sort of about, he was a little perturbed at how the news kind of broke about his broken jaw. And that was kind of the lead thing that got passed around. I, I don't know. It was interesting, but there was other stuff I found just as interesting. Like, uh, when he got hurt against Michigan state and he went into the locker room at halftime (laughs) 
and they made him do like, or it wasn't halftime. It was the second quarter. Yeah. They made him fill out paperwork. Like he yeah. was just like, it was a Tuesday morning at the office on 52nd and O street. They wanted uh, to see if he had a copay. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, but I, did you have any takeaways uh, from that Bruns, uh, what you kind of heard or, or got from, from Adrian Martinez sort of, you know, I guess farewell thoughts about his time at Nebraska. Yeah, it was, I think he summed it up pretty well. I mean, I think there were some other interesting threads to kind of pull on from that podcast. Um, you know, he kind of went through game by game, the second half of the season and the struggles that they had. And, you know, obviously the the assistant coach firings. I thought it was interesting, I guess, the the kind of thought process or the feelings that he had about what his future ultimately held at Nebraska. Um, and and I think his, what he landed on, I think is honestly kind of the way that a lot of, a lot of fans and, and kind of what we've talked about too felt, which was, you know, this is a guy that played a lot of football for Nebraska. He obviously played through a lot at Nebraska and it's kind of like you just come to the end of a relationship and it's just kind of time to, to collect your things and, and maybe move on. Like it, it, I think he had a pretty good sense that, you know, things had kind of run their course that it would have been pretty uncomfortable if he would have come back for another season. And I, I, I think that's a, a pretty mature decision to come to in all honesty. I mean, I think that's a pretty good summation of things is, it just felt like the program and both Adrian too were, would just be better off by saying, you know, thanks for the good times, but we'll see you down the road. Yeah. It, listen, it was more than an hour long and he either just played it very well as far as not uh, giving into his true feelings or his true feelings are that he really doesn't have like a, like a, a disconnect from Nebraska, like a kind of a feeling of disgust toward Nebraska. I didn't sense that really at all. Um, like he said, you know, he'll remember his time there fondly. He graduated there. He considers himself a Husker and uh, you know, he wished Scott Frost well, but you, I mean, you hit on it. Um, he knew that he had reached that point where it was sort of like both sides needed something fresh and, uh, you know, really he, I think at one point thought he had three options and one of them was maybe he could go to the NFL this next season or make his run at it. And then after he suffered the injury against Wisconsin that ended his season a game early, it was done. I mean, he was, he, he had, he had two, two options and, and one of them was, um, you know, either come back to Nebraska or transfer. And, uh, he, he picked the brains, he said, of some NFL people and, uh, you know, f- found out they thought it might be in his best interest to show what he can do at a new scene. I think it's the best thing for Scott Frost to show what he can do with the new quarterback, too. You know, like, can you get it going with somebody who uh, you don't – everybody doesn't always label like you're joined at the hip with as they did with Frost and Martinez. I think it's good for everybody. Yeah, well, and, and it – I, I don't know, just from an intrigue point of view, too. Like, I, I want to see what this thing looks like without Adrian Martinez as quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not – that's, I guess, maybe not a knock on Adrian, but, you know, you, you kind of know 
what you have with him in, in this offense. And, and you know, we, you have the changeover to what Mark Whipple is going to do. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a, a pro-style bent than what Nebraska was doing, probably a little less quarterback run. But I, I think it kind of needed a – you needed to open the windows a little bit and kind of air things out and, and, and bring some change in. And I think that's, you know, that, that's kind of what he – or at least what he – you know, said that he landed on too. I, I thought his comments on the Michigan game were, were interesting with the the fumble um, and, and what the ref said to him. Um, there was also, I mean, the, the I, I think he was kind of maybe not surprised, but you know, the Nebraska social media accounts mass unfollowing him. I mean, it, it's, it's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, it, there was just a lot of little things I thought that. You know, especially as the season wound on, I thought it was interesting that the, the way that he kind of talked about the coaching change too, and you know what what uh, how that kind of went down. I mean, I, I think that there's probably no easy way to do that, but um, you know, he he had some thoughts on that too. Is there anything else that really stood out to you that you needed to hit on or, or want to? No, I th- I think you got it. I mean, I I think he understood, and I I would guess a lot of people over there did that when you're what were they at that point? Three and seven, maybe when the coaching change happened that at a place like Nebraska, that's just part of how things operate, you know, when you're in that point and the head coach has to make some moves um, to, you know, to to freshen things up. And I think he, he sort of relayed the understanding of that while also, you know, giving you that inside perspective that this is hard when you've known somebody like Mario Verduzco for four years, you've been in there every morning with him and you, you, you share everything about your life with, with a coach sometimes. And uh, then they're gone just like that. And it, I, I do think sometimes we underestimate how difficult that is for some guys um, to, to move on, especially in season uh, when you're going up against Wisconsin the next week. And it, it actually, when you think back on it was pretty amazing that they just like lit up Wisconsin's defense pretty well in that game. And part of it was, as he said, it was just like throw caution to the wind. There's nothing to lose. Let's let's fling it around on these guys, test their their DBs. He also mentioned that one interception, which every, everybody might think of in the second half that just looked like a dead duck. And uh, he said, yeah, that was he he attributed that to the shoulder injury he suffered earlier in that game. So it was just a terrible, terrible throw, which which we could have said, but he, he said it for us. Yeah. No, I mean it, and I mean he talked a lot about the broken jaw and and that whole decision and grinding steak in, in a blender and drinking it through a straw and everything else. And uh, yeah, I mean he, you know, certainly you know deserves some criticism for you know the the performances in, in crunch time. Um, but I, I I think you can never question his toughness. Um, I mean, especially when. You know, that Wisconsin game, you're playing with a torn labrum, um, a broken jaw, and, you know, we're coming off of a high ankle sprain, too, from Minnesota week. So he, he definitely, uh, you know, is a, a tough kid, given yeah. that. It's a risky decision when you say, okay, I'm going to put six screws in my mouth and uh, rubber band this thing um, shut, pull them out when I go up in front of the media. And if I, you know, if I take one wrong hit, uh, under my chin strap, like on a quarterback sneak or something, 
Maybe that's why they didn't QB sneak it on the one yard line against Minnesota. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, he talked about that. He, he thought that he could have gotten around the corner a couple plays before that. Yeah. If he actually, would have just made the right decision. I actually think he might have scored on the one play before that, or, which they ended up not not counting. But that that's old news, but I guess we're talking about old news. But anyway, yeah, that was the Adrian Martinez interview. Um, from our perspective, Brunson and I, I, you know, breakups are always a little messy. This one's not that bad. Like, I mean, you didn't, he wasn't throwing flames on the way out the door or anything like that. He, he, uh, he gave some, uh, some behind the scenes look and it's, it's an actually an interesting listen. People should uh, hear it out. I think most people come away like, ah, I'm all right with this guy. We'll see, see how he can do down in Manhattan. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, uh, that, that, I guess that's a good transition to spring ball, right? You said we're less than two weeks away. Mm-hmm. And, and we should probably talk about some some uh, some of the guys that are on the roster currently. Is that fair? I guess we could. Um, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you, Bruns, uh I've been doing this series. Hey, don't forget about this guy, basically, um, which we tend to do on a roster of 150 people. You can, like, work your way to almost anybody uh, somehow, some way. Is there somebody or somebody's that – you're really curious about this spring and maybe they're not going to be starters necessarily, but they could be, I guess, but you, you, you know, you think they could push their way into at least a two deep or a young guy who like, you'd love to see his name pop up some to, to make you feel good about depth and what's going on there. Yeah. So, so last week we talked now or never guys, right? Mm -hmm. Basically do or die springs. To me, the position that we don't talk about enough in terms of depth is probably the inside linebacker group. And you have Nick Henrich, Henrich you have Luke Reimer. Um, Klarevic, I guess, is maybe going to try his hand at the Doman spot, but also is in that group. You've got Garrett Snodgrass, uh, who's played there before. Uh, I mean, have we forgotten about Randolph Kapai? I mean, I, I think he's a guy that when he signed with Nebraska, you kind of felt like in a couple of years he was maybe going to get to a place where he could he could be a guy that, that would see the field. And I, I think he's at least intriguing to me. He had he had some health issues last year that kept him out. This is kind of his first full off season that he's going to be on the on the field. But his kind of emergence pot- potentially would make me feel pretty good about that room. I, I don't know what they have with, with Mago Clements. I, I think he's going to be a special teams guy. Is he going to help on defense there? I don't know. Um, you know, he, he seems like a guy that would play really well in space, but we just haven't seen him and. I think with with Kapai, he's a physical kid. He can run well. I thought he was pretty opportunistic in high school in terms of turnovers and that kind of thing. But he seems like a guy that, with a strong spring, he might be talking about on maybe being on the cusp of that too deep if, if, if he has a strong enough performance. So I would go there. I mean, there, there's, like you said, you got a roster of 150. There's no... It's like a choose-your-own-adventure map, kind of. But, I mean, is there somebody else that you're thinking of that's more obvious than than Kapai? I'm sure there probably is. Um, 
No, that's a good name um, because I think there he kind of leads the collection of sort of second year or newer backers who you know you've got Henrich and Reimer for a while, but you don't always know if everyone's going to stay healthy, and you want to build up um, options. Um, not just for the next year or two, but for the next three to four years where you're feeling good about stuff. And I think middle backer is an example of a position where you want to, it's about like getting in front, in front of another guy, even if you're fourth in line, that can be important right now for like a year down the road. Like maybe you're not on everybody's radar, but if Kapai and Malcolm are, you know, fighting it out in spring practices, it's a big deal to those guys to get ahead of that other guy because eventually there is that moment where somebody gets hurt. Who's next up? Like last year you could use outside linebacker as an example. There were injuries the last couple of weeks and blaze Gunnarsson had worked himself into position to be that next up guy. And now he is in an even better position maybe because he has that experience. Um, that's where it matters. Um, and I think sometimes take these, People take these spring stories as, oh, we're hyping up this guy. He's going to make a serious charge. It's not really about that to me when I write these things. It's more about like the big picture and understanding that guys are forming a line. And at some point, you're going to call on this guy. So you better get to the front. Otherwise, uh, you're going to get recruited over too. And uh, so there's some good candidates there. Uh, Seth Malcolm is a good candidate. Uh, Makai Gebeir was hurt, uh, but is back now. And so we kind of get our first taste of him and Ernest Hausman's on campus. So that's, that's an interesting group. I think tight end is too, um, because Vokalek, you know, is a top dog, but he's out this spring. Thomas Fedone is going to get all the attention because he's Thomas Fedone. And, uh, there's another, there's like three or four other guys though, there that could, say, Hey, what about me? You know, like is AJ Rollins, James Carney, um, Sean Becton really likes walk on Nate Borkercher who played in four games and they actually stopped him at four. So he would keep his red shirt. I really think he's going to play this next year. Hickman, of course, we maybe think we know all we know about him, but he has to show that's not true. So tight end to me is sort of interesting in the fact that they've recruited other guys just besides Fedone, you know, there's a, there's, I've called him Fedone and Fedone. Yeah. You're, you're kind of circling the helicopter. You're almost there. Fedone. What's the proper Fedone. 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 The guy we've written the most words about. I can't say his name. <laughs> That's because we don't ever have to say it. So it's you don't. Kinda, no, uh, Fedone. It's, it's nice. Fedone. Yeah. Fedone. Fedone. Um, yeah. Who's, who's going to be up there with him? Uh, I think he's going to be up there. You didn't even mention Chancellor Brewington, who, you know, that that's a guy that obviously became a cult hero for blocking inside the two yard line. But I mean, I think with an off season, I mean, they, he's shown he's willing to do whatever it takes to get on the field. But I mean, he's a guy that is going to get reps, is going to, you know, played a lot last year and, you know, maybe an off season gets him in the conversation a little bit more. I mean, that, that group is inter is interesting though, because Bedoni had what six practices last year before the knee injury. It was pretty mm -hmm. soon. James Carney was coming back from a shoulder injury, so he was extremely limited last spring. Um, you know, Rollins didn't play 
much. It was pretty pretty buried for a young guy, I think, on the depth chart. And so you're going to have no shortage of options and a lot of reps at that spot. And and I don't know. I mean, based on Mark Whipple's background, too, I mean, I think you're going to see some tight end involvement. So I don't want to say – I mean, it feels like the assumption is, is that Vokalek is your guy. I don't think anybody's questioning that. Probably just based on – background and everything else that Fedoni is probably the next guy up um, or kind of that flex option that's going to be a little bit unique, but there you're kind of the same conversation about um, inside linebackers, the same at tight end where guys are, you know, elbows out trying to get in line, seeing where they shape up and, you know, we'll see, but there, there's a, a lot of learning to do for a lot of those guys in that room and they're going to get the chance to do it with vocal not being in there. What'll be interesting and sh- to me and show that he's really on the fast track is if Fedoni is like, even if he's one B to vocal X one a, or if there's like a gap there, like, you know what I mean? Like if he that quickly asserts himself where you're like, this guy needs about equal reps with, with vocal who's, you know, a 23 year old man, a huge man. Yeah. And if, if, if Fedoni is like basically doing what Allen and vocal did last year where they shared reps that tells me like, wow. I mean, that's, he's, he's ahead of even what the hype would suggest to me. I know some people wouldn't say that. Some people think a guy's going to go out there and play 75% of the snaps when he's that highly recruited. I don't. So that would really impress me. And real quickly on this conversation, I guess the other areas I'd look are the trenches, um, you know, beyond, uh, like Nash Hutmacher, it feels like it's sort of his time um, on the inside of that D-line, whether they're playing even or odd front, he's going to be important. Um, but then who joins him there? Like, uh, can you get some something out of uh, a Marquise Black, uh, Jalen Weaver, who last year was just conditioning the entire year behind the scenes, losing weight? Um, you know, uh, Raquan Buckley, I don't know exactly how they're going to use him, but you know, are, are we going to hear something from those guys this spring? I think that's that's pretty important that you start to hear a couple of their names at least pop up. Yeah, no, and especially D-line, because, I mean, you, you have so few proven guys. And I still think that's got to be a big point of emphasis in the spring for adding somebody that can help you in the fall out of the portal. So, I mean, this is an opportunity for that group. And and there are guys that you, you probably forget about a little bit. I mean, Marquise Black is a good example. Jalen Weaver, um, we'll see where, where he's at after a, a year of um, being on campus. I mean, he's a massive, massive human being. And if you can get him to give you anything next year, I think that's huge for your for your uh, your front three or four, whatever it's going to be. Um you know, that also allows you to move Ty Robinson around a little bit instead of having to have him in the middle. I mean, there, there's a lot of good that can come from having more depth at that spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that's another area that's really in flux. Um, and, and it feels like this spring you, you're going to have some guys that, that are going to need to stand up and be counted for there. Well, we could play this game for another hour, but we won't. Unfortunately, we have six more months to talk about everybody else on the roster. Um, and we will we'll probably we will. do that. We'll get to everybody. <laughs> we'll do a deep dive on everybody. So if your son's name was not mentioned here, 
We'll get to him. <laughs> get sure him we will. We'll get him by July. Latovsky, you're up next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, some baseball. And uh, there's uh, there's energy. So let's get to that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Nebraska baseball, they uh, they get rolling Friday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Four games against Sam Houston State. Um, a lot of lot of lot of Nebraska connections between these programs. Actually, um, you know, Nebraska alum on the staff down there. Um, Lance Harvell spent some time at, at Sam Houston State, and we're going to see right out of the gates. Where, where this baseball team is at? What, what do you want to know? I feel like I, I feel like baseball is one of those things where it's like I, I, I could just talk, but I, I I would not be helping you or anybody at all without some direction here. Yeah, I'll ask some questions, and I come at this from someone who pays attention to it, but I don't I don't know everything about the roster. Or some names are even new to me. Uh, that's a, that's the honest truth until we get like a few weeks into the season, I start to pick up like, Oh, okay. That guy's here. Um, so that's, so I, that's how I'm coming at this as I ask you stuff. Um, first off, let's, let's just roll through the rotation fast. So you sort of are, have a pretty good idea on that good handle or it, it, it's shaping up as, as you, uh, thought, or are there any surprises to you? So you have, you, you have four games this weekend, which is kind of its own, set of challenges. The The first game on Saturday is a seven-inning game as part of a doubleheader, but they're going to have Kyle Perry on Friday, Shea Shanneman in the first game on Saturday. Uh, Dawson McCarvel, who's a transfer from Grand Canyon, is going to start game three. And then uh, Braxton Bragg, who um, was kind of a bullpen guy last year, um, had a really good start to the season, and then kind of struggled down the stretch. He's going to be your your guy in the finale on Sunday. So that's kind of the interesting part all the time with these first three weeks is, is you kind of figure out where guys fit in, who's, who can get, get through a lineup a couple times. And, you know, the, the thing that I think people need to remember about this team, they lost a ton from last year. You're replacing two weekend starters, uh, a number of your top hitters, and, and also your closer who happen to be uh, the, the Big Ten Player of the Year and Spencer Schwellenbach, but I think both at the plate and on the mound, I feel like this is actually a little bit of a deeper team. Um, you know, you have, I think, some good starting options with those four. Um, Mason Ornelas, who is a Texas A&M transfer, he was another guy that I thought might be 
an option uh, to start the opening weekend. Um, he, he's probably going to be a first guy out of the bullpen type role, I think, um, if he's not starting. Uh, Drew Christo obviously had a lot of fanfare behind his name. He, he's another guy that could potentially be like a midweek starter as well. So th- they've got a ton of options there, which is good. Um, and then, you know, the, the bullpen, you still got to figure out roles a little bit. Um, Jake Buns, who had a great year last year, uh, said yesterday that he's not really sure what his role is going to be. Probably the the fireman type role towards the the back of the bullpen. I think they're going to try Colby Gomez as the closer, um, coming off of uh, some pretty serious shoulder issues, but he's bounced back well. Uh, and then you know young guys like Emmett Olson um, that pitched against Arkansas last year in the regional. I think he's going to get a look in the late innings too. So like I said, they've got a lot of pitching options this year, and they were pretty good last year. I mean, they were second in the Big Ten in ERA. Um, which was a, a pretty drastic improvement from where they'd been in Bolt's first uh, first year, which was only 15 games. But I, I do think that the pitching staff, even though they're unproven, I guess, in some roles, I think are going to be uh, have the potential to be pretty good. Unless I just imagine this, I think I Bolt said that the goal is to host a regional. Um, or did I? Did that? that just... That's that. That's the goal. I want to be playing meaningful baseball in June. Uh, in in Nebraska, that's that's well, the goal. I mean that that sounds obvious to say, but I guess where I was going with that is you laid out, which is true, that they have a lot of parts to replace, and so I did sort of wonder what the tenor of their conversations would be with the coaching staff as far as like embracing, like, hey, look at what we did last year, let's just build on that, or trying to maybe temper it slightly, knowing that you know it doesn't always disconnect from one year to a net the next even if you are definitely making progress in the whole picture it's it's a delicate dance right I mean like you you have to kind of build I guess on what you did last year but you also can't rest on what you did last year and I think in some ways you know having some of those guys move on I think it's kind of challenged the program a little bit to how do you kind of reassemble the pieces and build more because you had guys that were big parts of, of what they did last season, like Bryce, Bryce Matthews, Max Anderson, um, you know, Shea Shanneman's back again, and, and he's going to be a big piece of the, the, the rotation and, and, you know, Griffin Everett behind the plate, those types of guys that can kind of carry the mantle a little bit from last year and transition it into whatever this year's team's going to be. So I think they've, I think they've talked about, embracing expectations, but I think that they've also been very careful within the walls of the program to not feel like last year was a success. You know, I I think that they, the coaching staff has really kind of gone out of their way to say, you know, look, we, you still, you played great in a regional, you almost upset the number one team in the country, but at the end of the day, they were still celebrating on their home field and you were headed home. And, you know, I, I think that that's kind of what they've emphasized um, with their team and continue to challenge them. So it, it's, you know, I, I think, I think Will's pulling a little bit on his time as a player at Nebraska where they were kind of close um, before they were able to kind of break through and go to the college world series. So I think he, he has a good understanding of the buttons to push and how to continue to challenge guys and not feel like you're patting yourself on the, on the back for what you did last season, which, 
you know, doesn't help you at all as you go to Texas to, to start the 2022 season. Okay. Rip through the, uh, the infield. Who, how, how, how do they line up there? So I, I think you're going to see Max Anderson at third. I, I think he's an obvious, you know, big 10 player of the year candidate. Bryce Matthews is sliding over to shortstop um, in place of Schwellenbach. Uh, I would expect he's going to hit for a little bit more power this year than he did a year ago. Uh, my understanding is that they defended it really well uh, in the fall, which is another key thing for this team. They were number one in the Big Ten last year in fielding percentage, uh, and they hammer, they hammer the heck out of it in practices. So uh, second base, I think you're going to see Core Jackson start there, uh, the freshman from Canada. Um, Cam Chick could play there, but I think a lot of that depends on kind of how Jackson settles in. I think the fact that he's a left-handed hitter also helps him there a little bit too. And then at first base, it's either going to be uh, Jack Style, uh, who was there last year. Uh, Colby Gomez is going to get the first baseman's uh, mitt on and uh, play a little bit of first base. And then also, I think a freshman to watch, Josh Karen. Uh, he, he's a catcher. Uh, he's going to get some some looks at DH too, but I, I don't know that he would necessarily be at first, but uh, a kind of a guy that's going to play a lot of spots. So um uh, keep an eye on him, but uh, that, that's your infield. It's going to be young, uh, definitely young, but um, I, I think they like that group. All right, we can't leave out the outfield. How's the outfield shake out? That's three new starters. Uh, I think you're going to see Luke Sartori in center. He's kind of the, the speed guy. Would have played a little bit more last year, but he had a wrist injury. Um, Leighton Banjoff is back and healthy. He's going to be in the outfield. Uh, you might see Cam Chick uh, out in the outfield as well. Uh, trying to think who else. Garrett Anglum uh, hit really well in the fall. I think he's got a potential to, to play a corner outfield spot a little bit, but that's a spot where you, the outfield, you're going to see a little bit of movement, I think, especially in midweek games to get guys at bats and, and kind of how they uh, how they fit in. So uh, that that's going to be a moving, pe- moving picture, I think, the first few weeks. But uh, if, if guys start hot, uh, they're, they're going to be able to solidify roles out there. Who's the biggest uh, red ass on this team or something that will mix it up with a Michigan guy at second base this year? <laughs> a lot of their red ass guys are gone. That, that's the problem. Uh, and, and they were trying in the fall to find, they were trying to find those guys that would, you know, score a run and then start pointing at the Rutgers dugout and, and <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, Griffin Everett, I guess, is a little bit that way. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, it's the the team I think is going to have a little bit of a different personality. I think it's going to be a little bit of a quieter team, but uh, you know, I, I think maybe Everett, I guess behind the plate, a, a little bit of the edge there. Just playing the game the right way. I like that. <laughs> I don't know about that. They, they were, they were trying to draw that out of guys. They're trying to see oh, okay. you know, who, who would emerge, but it's a, it's a different crew. And, and I will say Jackson Hallmark was not afraid to, uh, to score and then, you know, throw it in somebody's face. I think that's what somebody asked on our board, which I was going to ask you is who the next Jackson Hallmark is. And that was, that was sort of where oh, I was going. Yeah. With I misunderstood the question. I, I, if they were talking no. red assness, I, I was, uh, I was thinking more of a veteran guy that kind of came out of nowhere. Oh, well that would work too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a candidate for that? Uh, I think Leighton Banjoff has potential. I mean, he's, he's struggled to stay healthy, but you know, the 15 games he played his freshman year, he was, on fire and then COVID hit. So 
maybe if he stays healthy and gets enough at bats, he might be a, a breakout candidate there. Okay, the last one for you. Um, since right. it's preseason, who in the Big Ten, as you sort of look at it as we get going, like who are do you see as Nebraska's main competitors in the chase when we get into that? I know we're a ways from Big Ten play, but we're we're going yeah. into the season. What do you say? This is like your uh, rank them, you know, yeah. SI division predictions. I think, I mean, Michigan's going to be up there again. Um, you know, it's disappointing that Nebraska and Michigan are playing their series like in late March. Um, it's just where the Big Ten schedules it. I, I think Maryland was a more talented team last year than what they showed. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Iowa always kind of seems to be a, a team that's pesky and around. I, I, I think those are probably the ones that stand out the most Indiana too. I mean, it, it's kind of the same group of teams. It feels like every year. I mean, I obviously Nebraska wasn't picked to finish in the top six last year, but I I'd say probably Michigan, Maryland, Indiana, um, that, that crew with Iowa in there as well. It, the, the problem with the big 10 is it's so much is determined by who you play because of the unbalanced scheduling. So, um, you know, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how how Nebraska kind of handles things, but they get they get tested if right away. If you had to uh, do a top twenty five, would you include Nebraska in it right now, or would you be like you got to prove some things with this new group? I they they're kind of like it feels like every top twenty five, like twenty two to twenty five, it's like you could just put them in a bag with like twenty six through twenty eight and pull your teams out, and you'd be fine. I I was surprised to see Nebraska up around twenty. In, in some of those polls, I would, I would probably tend to go right around 25, 25, 26. Like it's, they've got questions, but I think they've also, I, I, I just, you know, I think the staff is going to be able to figure it out. I, I think they just have the right attitude about things. Well, I hope they have a good weekend because I would, I definitely feel uh, an eagerness for this season. Um, and maybe that, that's partly connected to their success last year. It's also connected to the fact other men's sports <laughs> have just been a dumpster fire. Yeah. And so there, there's, there's like, let's get to something new. But I really felt this, like when they were playing at Arkansas and that, how could you not be drawn into that intense series? It felt like the old days of like Husker baseball when people were like, okay, I'm figuring out this roster and that, you know, they knew the names and, that hasn't always been the case in recent years, even for okay Husker teams. They just haven't been as well known across the state. But it felt like we we made a shit there. Um, and so that, that's really the what's at stake here is to sort of keep that intrigue level up and, and get off to a good start, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think the the, the, the thing you can say for those, these teams, too, is they, they play hard. And I think it's easy to root for teams that play hard. And I, I think that that's – there's expectation and, and not just from, you know, national people now that Nebraska's kind of, you know, had the season that they did, Like you're right. Like with the way football has gone with the season that's unfolded with the basketball court, all I hear from people is like, thank God it's baseball season. Like, so hopefully they can, you know, take care of business these first couple weekends. Cause they've got say, uh, th this opening weekend is going to be a tall test, but then they've got TCU who's a top 10 team um, in week two. So they're, they're going to, they're going to have to be ready to play. Well, at least somebody's playing some baseball. That's good news. Uh, and, of course, we have spring football on the horizon. We're breaking down every guy, third string, first string on the roster there. So you should come to Husker 24-7. We'll have all the latest baseball, basketball, football. All of it will be there. Come to the site. Check us out.
What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.